This is the SPFL 42 show, covering every division in Scotland. Hello and welcome back to the SPFL 42, sponsored by the good folks at Six Yards Out. If you're looking for retro football T-shirts, mugs, <laughs> beach towels, you name it, Six Yards Out have got you sorted. And if you go to the SPFL 42 Twitter page, the link is in the bio for Six Yards Out and they might even do you a discount, who knows. I'm, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by a, a guest host tonight. Normally Dr Grant Campbell joins me, but Grant's taken a, a few weeks off um, to, to recharge the batteries. It's been a busy year for him with um, his work outside of SPFL 42. So I've replaced them this week with Alan Mahood, the former Kilmarnock and Greenock Morton player, a man who's played many games in the top flight of Scottish football and in the Championship as well. Alan, thanks for joining me. Not a problem, Callum. Thanks for inviting me. The, the first place I have to start with you, Alan, with your Kilmarnock links is the situation at the club as we speak now. Tommy Wright has finally been hired as the club's manager. We had put together a, a running order for the show at the weekend and I put a question mark in that running order because you know how it works in football much more than I do. Things can change quickly and deals that you think are on can, can suddenly be cancelled. But fair play to Billy Bowie and the Kilmarnock board. The deal's over the line. Tommy Wright signed a contract until 2023. Do you think that's a sensible choice for Kilmarnock? I, th- I think it's um, probably will bring a bit of stability that the, the club need again, that we've probably not really had since Steve Clark was a manager. Um, Tommy obviously knows Scottish football well, having been at St Johnston, so you just hope he has his insight, his knowledge, that um, he's going to get his plane again and not, not losing anyway for a start, but making his hard to beat. In terms of being hard to beat the last two games, you think of the Celtic result. Celtic, of course, I know they've been poor this season, but, but they can put a few goals past anyone when they're at their best. But the weekend's game against St Mirren was, was disappointing for Kilmarnock. From your perspective, having played the game, when you've got someone who's in caretaker charge who probably isn't going to get the job longer term, how do you handle that as a player? Is it, a, is it a, an awkward time for everyone involved because you've got someone who knows they're maybe in for one or two games and as a group of players, your, your mind's maybe subconsciously drifting to who the next permanent gaffer's going to be? I think um, first and foremost, as professionals, you need to go and be professional and, and hope to win more games than not. But it's, it's a case of getting together and rallying the troops, there's enough senior players in that dressing room to kind of pull everybody together and and doesn't matter who's in charge, um, play for each other. And I think that's um, the biggest thing nowadays. You need to, especially at times like Kilmarnock, when you've got managers coming and going, I think you need to prove yourself and, and fight for each other that and, and work as a team and get the, the ethic going again and be hard to beat for yourself rather than just losing silly goals and kind of heads going down and feeling sorry for yourself. We just need to roll the sleeves up and go on it. I don't want to put any pressure on you because I know you were working at Kilmarnock in, in the in an academy role for, for many years and, and you left the club recently. Tommy Wright's come into the club in February. He can't go into the transfer market for obvious reasons because the window's closed. 
do you think there, there, there could be younger players that, that he gives a chance in this Kilmarnock team that maybe just need a, a, a wee G up from, from outside? I hope so. Because, um, as you say, having worked here, I know that there are players coming through and uh, good young boys. And I think a club like Kilmarnock should rely on young boys and um, put a bit of pressure on them to go and perform. There's no point in being at a club and getting in the training every day as a young boy if there's no end goal, if you're not going to get a chance. So I think if it gives them a chance, hopefully they take it. But you need a, I think you need a mixture of youth and experience in a team to make it work. You certainly do. And that leads me on perfectly to, to talk about Hamilton Ackies, who managed to, to draw with Rangers. They probably deserve to win that game, in all honesty. Stephen Gerrard was very critical of his team after the game, as was Alan McGregor. He said, the reason I was so busy today is because as a team we were poor and we, we just didn't turn up, which was very honest of him. We talk about players sometimes having stock answers for the media, but you can't pin that to Alan McGregor. When you look at Hamilton Ackes as a team, you've just talked about Kilmarnock playing younger players. Brian Rice has always done that at Kilmarnock, but... You look at someone like Ross Callahan who scores the equaliser and he seems to have a bit of a blend there. Do you think they could go on one of their, their usual Hamilton escape runs and, and, and claw themselves off the bottom of the table? Well, I think what you said there, um, Rice, he's been there before and, and done it and knows what it takes to get out of that kind of situation. So it's one of the ones, if you're a commander, you're looking over your shoulder at teams like Hamilton, Um as you say, you know, they're, they're famous for the, the old escape, the magic escape trick. So um, they'll not fear anybody, especially going to their, their own place on the, the AstroTurf. And you saw that the other day. They, they fight for each other, and that's what Hamilton do. Um, some people criticise and might not be pretty to watch. It doesn't matter. As long as you can get results and points on the board, that's all that they care about. Well, that's it. And, and, and as you say, it's one of those situations for the sides at the bottom, Hamilton, Ross County, Kilmarnock, even Motherwell, where performances, of course, fans want to see their team play nice, attractive football, but you alluded to it there. You, you take any sort of point or points that, that you can get. On the other hand, Rangers draw the match and there's people critical of Rangers for not getting the job done, etc. That What I said on, on, on Twitter after the game was, for me, that shows you how far Stephen Gerrard has, has taken Rangers already. The fact that a draw against Hamilton or a draw away from home is seen as a, a real blip for them, whereas in recent years, that's the sort of game they, they probably would have lost. You, you think back to last season, they lost against Hamilton Ackies at home at Ibrox. So for me, as I say, I think people criticising Gerrard and Rangers for drawing the game shows how far they've come because the standards this season have been nothing short of remarkable. Well, when you see the amount of, the amount of goals they've lost, the um, amount of points they've dropped, it's very little. So, again, you set your own targets, set your own standards. And as you say, the Alan McGregor came out and basically slaughtered his own players. And he's quite right, because it, it might get to a stage where you're so many points in front, you do kind of take your foot off the gas a wee bit. You shouldn't. As a professional, you should go and and kill games off. And I think losing it, the, the well, losing the points and the, the manner they did in the last kick of the ball will hurt them as well. Um, but again, as you say, they've they came so far that that's disappointing now, and they, they 
the fans are expecting not only to go and beat Hamilton but to put on a show as well. To go from last season's displays that Rangers had to this season, as you as you've said, is remarkable in the sense that they've dropped very little points. They are so far ahead, and it's a matter of when and, and not if for them, which again is testament to what Stephen Gerrard is doing. Do you think he's the sort of manager that, with that gap, might make a few changes in the next match just to just to see how the players react to that because he's got the beauty of such a gap? I would think he would want to get as many points on the board as quickly as possible. If it was me, it would be my strongest team every week just to, to try and get it over the line. And then maybe when the pressure's off of you, but you can start introducing different players or try different systems or he might just want to keep going and get as many points as he can on the board and get his, sell as high a target as possible, something to, to beat in the future. Well, that's something that they definitely are capable of and it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. Going from Rangers, who are at the top of the division, I want to go next to the teams that are, are battling for that third-place finish. Hibernian were playing Aberdeen at the weekend. Martin Boyle scores both goals. When he's on form, he's one of the best players in the league, an Australian international, of course, as well. How disappointing will that be for Aberdeen, considering that they concede a penalty, which which always makes the game more difficult. And for for, for for my opinion, I don't think it was a penalty. I think it helps kind of on a wee runner. Sometimes they're uh, hot and cold and they kind of drop silly points. But if as you say, when they're on their game and they've got the boy up front scoring goals in, they're a hard team to beat. And... Um, Going there and conceding penalties just makes it a wee bit harder for yourself. And as you say, it's maybe a dubious penalty, but they still get it and they still win the game. So it's something that Aberdeen need to deal with. They do have to deal with it and, and, and they maybe will be disappointed looking back that they didn't cause Hibs more problems over the piece. Hibs are now five points clear of Aberdeen, but Aberdeen, of course, have got a game in hand. Yep. Derek McInnes is, you know Derek McInnes well, you've played with him. He's, he's a manager who's very experienced. He wouldn't be panicking in this situation. He's got the game in hand. It can take them to within two points of Hibs. Dave Cormack's come out backing Derek McInnes and saying he's the right man for the job. We've just signed new players in January and we need time. And on the last show that, that I recorded with Grant, he was very happy. He's an Aberdeen fan. He was saying, we've signed Hornby. We've signed other strikers in deadline day. And I said to him, as positive as that is, Naturally, these guys will need time. So do you think Derek and Aberdeen will start to, to pick up that momentum that they had pre-Christmas again in the next couple of weeks once those forward-thinking players have settled? It used to be if you get the chairman's vote of confidence was a, the worst thing you could have got. <laughs> um, you always say you had to watch your back once he'd, um, once he'd back you. But I think it's great for Derek because it's everybody expects... Aberdeen to finish third um, behind Old Firm because they've got the third biggest wage bill, whatever. But the players have still got to play and, and Derek's got a great record. I think he's coming up in eight years if he's not already up there. He's got them to high place finishes in the league and into cup finals and this is just a, a kind of blip, if you like, because he, he can't do it all the time. He can't be that consistent all the time because it doesn't happen in football. 
and you're always up challenging me, not just the old firm, you want to obviously get up there, but you've got the likes of other teams running about your hips and teams that you need to beat as well as the old firm. So it's a hard one for him, but as you say, he's got players in, so it's just a case of giving them time to settle and gel with other players and then I've got no doubt they'll take off again and, and go up the league. One of the players that Aberdeen have who I want to get your opinion on is is Lewis Ferguson. Of course, he's got the surname that's very famous in Scottish football with, with Barry, Derek, of course, Sir Alex, of course, not a relation, but but similarly a, a big name in the game. What do you make of him as a, as a midfielder? For me, I've always been very impressed with him. I think he's very tenacious and technically very good too. Well, I think the fact that not only you're saying about his his pedigree, who his family are, but the fact that Derek puts his faith in him week in, week out, and Derek was a great midfielder in his his day as well. So the fact that Derek's picking him, I think, speaks volumes for how the boy plays. Um, if he wasn't pulling his weight or doing it, Derek wouldn't pick him, but he does. So that says enough for me. Another team that we have to discuss are Livingston, but before we discuss Livingston and the the, the result uh, against St Johnson, where they, they dropped points for the first time in a long time, I, I want to come to you on David Martindale because you've been very open and honest in your uh, column for Football CFB that when when you retire from football, things aren't always plain sailing. The op- you can't <laughs> the great quote you had was you can't just go to the job centre and say any jobs going in football. It doesn't work like that. David Martindale has clearly made mistakes in his past. He's owned up to that. He's been honest. He's served time in prison. He's since come out and and really earned a second chance at Livingston. He's finally been declared a fit and proper person. What do you make of his journey? Because for me, it's 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 inspiring because I think it's very easy for people on Twitter and people who haven't lived through the experience that David or others have to, to simply say, oh, clock them away, throw away the key, they don't deserve another chance. But I think it's refreshing that he can be an example to to many people who've made mistakes in their life and say, look, you you might have been something in the past, but believe in yourself, educate yourself and rebuild yourself and and you can be anything you want to be. Well, I think the fact that he's he's come out and been open about it, he's not tried to hide away and and deny anything. The fact that he's come out and said, this is what happened, but I'm trying to turn things around. And as you say, it's a great example to to anybody that's maybe made mistakes that you can pull yourself together and get your life sorted out and succeed. And he's done that and he's done it great because he's the SFA could easily have just banned him or said he's no fit for purpose or whatever, but it doesn't look great in them either if he did. But thankfully he's given a chance to to continue coaching and he's obviously doing a good job. I think they went was it nine or ten unbeaten. So um he's obviously doing something right. Well he's, he certainly is doing something right. They're also in a National Cup semi-final. Uh, sorry, a National Cup final. Uh, they, they won in the semi-final of course and their opponents in that final are going to be St Johnston who they played at the weekend. They lost the game 2-1. St. Johnson scored in injury time in the first half and then stamped their authority again in the second half. They probably should have added to their to their victory. Stevie May, of course, missing a penalty. Is, is that the sort of game, if you're David Martindale, given the run that they've been on, you try and say to the players, look, put this out of your mind, forget about it, we'll go again in the next game, which they have very soon? I think if you, if you gave them one defeat and... 10, I think you would take that and there's there's, there's always going to be a, you can't be that consistent um, 
over the whole season and expect not to drop points, especially no disrespect to a team like Livingston, but if you're fighting with other teams of similar ability around about, you're going to lose points. So no, it's just a case of dusting yourself down and look forward to the next one. We talked about Tommy Wright coming in at Kilmarnock. You, you've given your view that you think he will be a solid appointment, especially in this last few months of the season. He was a legend at St Johnston. He delivered the Scottish Cup. He was always going to be a very, very tough man to replace, arguably the greatest manager the club's ever had in their history. Callum Davidson's doing a very good job. They're in a National Cup final. They've beaten Livingston at the weekend there, and they don't look in any immediate threat of relegation. They're on 30 points. They're 10 points clear of Hamilton, and they're two points off of St Mirren, who are in sixth, albeit St Mirren have got a couple of games in hand. What do you make of the job he's done this season? Because as I say, for me, I think it's been a, a steady job given the fact that he plays such an icon in Tommy Wright. As you say, you're, you're up against it right away if you're replacing a guy that's brought them such success and um, brought the crowds back. So you're on a hiding to nothing. But as you say, he's done well. He's kept them steady. And obviously he was a good player in his, his day as well. Experienced. He played in South. He was international. So... He knows the game, so it's just about implementing his ideas on his team and, and how they want to play, and he seems to be doing that, so good luck to him. A massive win at the weekend for Dundee United. Grant and I spoke in the last show about how worried we were for Dundee United because they, they normally don't score enough goals, and unfortunately for Mickey Mellon, they've, they've not kept them out enough this season either. They've they've been a, a strange team. They're, they're sitting in seventh, which is probably where they deserve to be now because they were sitting in the top six for so long without being spectacular at any moment in the season. They go up to Dingwall at the weekend. They're playing against John Hughes's Ross County. John's had an impact in there. He's beaten Hibs. He's had big results at Aberdeen, of course, as well. But they win the game 2-0. Lauren Shankland gets on the score sheet, which he desperately needed. An aspect of Shankland's game that isn't spoken about a lot is that adaptability a lot of people just assume because you're banging them in in the championship that you can replicate that in, in the Premier League from your perspective when you played the game how big a jump is the championship in Scotland to the Premier League because I think a lot of people assume you can just go from the championship to the Premier League like the click of a finger but it, it's not like that is it? No not at all because it's not just the fact that you're you're stepping up and playing at a higher level. You've obviously got to get to know your teammates in jail and you might be moving house and your kids might be moving schools or nurseries and there's there's all these aspects to take into consideration. It's not, as you say, just a simple case of you go into the dressing room, you put your strip on, you go and play and that's, you just pick up where you left off. There's a, a whole load of things that come into that. But again, as you say, it's he scored goals in the championship I've seen him a few times play with United and he's a clever player as well. And they, I think he scored a screamer the other week for 30, 40 yards. So he's got different things in his locker. He's not just a bit six-yard box goal scorer. So I think you need to just give him time. Some players take longer to settle than others or some players go in and hit the ground running then they hit a dip because they started so well. So it, again, everybody's different. So interesting to see. I think next season might be a bigger one for them. If, as you said, the United stay mid-table, next season will be a bigger season for them. It will be. I think getting back into the league after so many years in the Championship, they, they wanted to establish themselves this season. Mickey Mellon appears to be on course to do that. On the other hand, John Hughes, as I say, the big results against Hibs and Aberdeen, 
at the weekend, he'll be disappointed with that because their goal difference is the worst in the league. They, they don't keep many clean sheets. They're three points clear of Hamilton, but crucially, Hamilton have got two games in hand over them. Would you expect it to be a battle between Ross County and Hamilton for that bottom place? I hope so. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, as you say, big Yogi being a centre-half as well, a defender, it'll probably hurt him more when you're, you're losing goals and that's something that he'll want to put into his team to be harder to beat, harder to score against. And as you say, he had a couple of great results to start with, which always comes with a new manager and it gives the players a lift and they're all wanting to impress him and all fighting for starting places. And he'll be disappointed, but again, it's he knows he's in a dogfight, so he'll be up to him to try and get the boys, making sure they're, they know what's expected of them and, and try and pick up as many points as they can for here on in. The last game of the, the Scottish Premiership at the weekend that we have to discuss involves Celtic and Motherwell. I've, this, I've left this game to last for the simple reason that Celtic appear to be comfortable in second. They appear as if they're, they're well out of the title race. And for Motherwell, it's the sort of game that I think with hindsight, Graham Alexander, particularly when you consider the second half performance, will be gutted he didn't get a point. Celtic were good in the first half. Stephen Wells scored the goal a couple of minutes into the game. Odson Edward added to that. But towards the end of the game, Celtic looked as if they were worried about dropping points again. They got deeper and deeper. The confidence seemed to drain out of the team, particularly in the last 15 minutes. Neil Lennon withdraws David Turnbull. He looked, David Turnbull looked as uh, perplexed as, as the fans watching on their laptops and TVs at home. For Neil Lennon and Celtic, is this just a, a damage limitation exercise of get to the end of the season, try and avoid any more PR disasters or on-pitch disasters and and, and, and take things from the, the summer onwards because they're on a hiding to nothing in many ways where if they start winning games now, fans will complain they weren't doing it when it mattered. And if they start losing games now, they'll moan that the manager's not been changed. So do you think it's a case of get to the end of the season and just address things then? It must be a, a strange time um, to be a Celtic supporter having had so much success in the past nine seasons with so much silverware. And I don't, think they'll just expect to win games but Motherwell got into Parkhead you would, a few years ago you would never expected anything else but a home win and I think that's probably what hurts the fans more than anything when you, you're saying there about they look as if they're hanging on at the end and maybe kind of null and void ideas and how to see the game out because that's I mean that's what Celtic were always good for they could grind out results when needed to be or they could score last minute they were Years ago, they were famous for scoring an injury time, but they kept going and they kept pressing teams. And it's possibly the fact that there's no fans in the stadium anymore because it was always one of the places it was great to play in because it was always jumping and it was so noisy. And it maybe get the team going and gave them that wee extra push when they needed it. But as you say, it's, it's as if they're just maybe playing out time now and seeing what happens. And I think the boy Turnbull's done really well since he got in the team and he's one that I've, I've liked. And the fans, again, as you're saying, taking them off, they wonder why. But obviously Neil Lennon's got his reasons and um, he knows what he's thinking himself. But it's just, it's a strange time. As you, They need to, I think they just need to get as many points on the board as they can and just look ahead to next season. 
One of the aspects of the, the game at the weekend that impressed so many was Stephen Welsh. A lot of Celtic fans, if you if you judge it by social media, which I know you have to have a, an air of caution when, 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 when it comes to social media, a lot of Celtic fans are making the point that they, they felt Welsh should have been given a run of games rather than Shane Duffy. Are, are you surprised putting your academy hat on that Welsh wasn't given a run of games ahead of Shane Duffy considering that that Duffy seemed to go from one error to another week in, week out for a, a period of weeks. W- wouldn't it have been sensible for Neil Lennon to, to take Duffy out the firing line, which he has done now, and give Welsh a run in the team? Because, as I say, he, he's not put a foot wrong overly since he's been in the team. Again, that's only something Neil Lennon can answer. He, he knows himself what he's thinking, but it might be a, a case of he's brought Duffy up from the, the English Premiership and he he stuck by him and he, he's always, he's maybe made a couple of mistakes, but maybe Lenny thinks he's he's going to come good at some point. And again, he, he, if he takes him out too early, can I crucify him? And there's no way back for Duffy. But again, how long do you stand by a player before you change him? And as you say, by all accounts, the boys come in and done really well. So he'll be looking to establish his cell and, and make a career for his cell now, the boy. And, and I think he'll take his chance. As you say, the past couple of games, he's looked steady and it doesn't look out of place, which is um, is what you need when you're coming in and, and just play away and hopefully you do enough. Going down to the Championship, Hearts were playing live in the BBC on Friday night away at Air United. A 1-0 victory for the Jambos secured through a, a Liam Boyce penalty. They're now 12 points clear of Wraith Rovers who have a game in hand over them. Would you expect it to be relatively straightforward for Hearts when it comes to wrapping the title up, given the advantage they have with only 12 games to go? I would think so. Um, again, it'll be the same as Rangers. They'll want to get as many points in the board as quickly as possible and get it wrapped up early and, and build for next season. But again, they're, they're, they've got great experience doing there with uh, Wienese and uh, Halliday and these boys. So they're not going to... They're not going to get slack. They'll not let them. They'll not let each other kind of take a foot off the gas. So I think they'll be looking at fixtures, the up and coming fixtures, and working out how many points they need and where they can win it. Because that's that's where they need to be. They need to be ruthless. Don't look back the way and just just keep going. Wraith Rovers have to put pressure on them. They they were able to do that by beating your former club Greenock Morton at Capello at the weekend one 0 Morton are a strange team. They can be really good on their day, but <laughs> against our growth, they can also be quite poor and, and rely too much on their, their workman-like style. How much of a miss do you think Jim McAllister will be at that club, not only on the park and off the park, because you, of course, played with Jim as well? That's what I was going to say. It's not just what Jim brings to you on the park, it's what he brings off the park and his experience he can offer the young boys and I think the biggest problem with Morton is their inconsistency. So they need to they need to work on that. They need to work on why and and how they can win games without having a dip in form and being great one week and bad the next. And as you say, getting beat off our growth and, and and teams like that. And that's no disrespect to growth. But if they want to be ambitious and and get anywhere, they need to they need to get out again. And again, it's maybe replacing the likes of Jim will be the hard part. Who's going to step in and do that role for you? But that's 
that's the challenges of a football club. You're looking for boys to come in and do that and stake a claim. They've got a lot of younger players, Martin, and another player you played with who's still playing the game is, is Chris Miller. He's in great shape. He's a personal trainer, as, as many people will know. Um, he encourages uh, others to, to get fit as well and helps them on their journey. Is he someone in this next run of games you think will get a run in the team to, to try and bring that that experience to the midfield in particular, especially when things haven't been going well in recent games? I hope so. Um, as you say, he's keeping his cell in shape. He looks better now than he's ever done. So um, I think if you if you throw him in, he'll never let you down. Uh, the mid will never let you down. He'll always play away and he's, he's a fit boy and he'll, he'll rally people around about him and he'll get the best out of them as well. So there's... There's no harm in, in putting them in, as you say, two or three games, see how he does. But I think it will only improve the midfield. It'll be interesting to see how Anton McElhone deals with that because I was speaking to Brian McLean this week and Brian and, and, and Chris have, have been helping Anton um, quite a lot, of course, because David Hopkins had left the club and, and Anton was, was putting interim charge to the end of the season. I don't think Morton should get too down, even though their results have been poor recently because... They are a team that are capable of springing a surprise. They've shown that this season against them firmly and away from home. So I think that they're the sort of team that when things aren't going well, fans and, and maybe some players alike think that they don't know when their next win's going to come from, but they're also a strange team that they can go on a wee run and you never think they're going to lose again. So it'll be interesting to, to see how they bounce back. The championship's unique for another reason, though, and that's because you've got two part-time football clubs that that don't just take results sitting down, they don't just let you dominate them. And that was shown at the weekend. Aloha and Peter Grant beating Queen of the South 2-1 at home, and Dick Campbell's are both beating Dunfermline 2-0 at Gayfield as well. Do you think both of those sides could stay up in the Championship again this season? Our both are now out of the relegation places. Aloha are only three points away from safety and they've both got 13 games to play. I think I read a bit about the weekend's game where both and Dunfermline and Dunfermline were complaining about the conditions and uh, it was too windy and whatever. But you go to places like Abroth and they play that to their advantage and you know what you're going to get. So there's no point in going there and moaning about it. They're going to do everything they can to win, to win a game and get points on the board. And they've got a lot of experience up there as well. Obviously, big gats and goals are doing really well for them. So, again, it's a mixture of experience and youth. But just because they're part-time clubs, it doesn't, doesn't give you a right to go up and beat them. So they're professional as the next guy and they've got pride and they want to win games. So I think it's always interesting Um as you say, 13 games to go. So anything could happen. They could beat the full-time teams on their day and and get a wee run going and all of a sudden you're catching, you're, there's teams looking down and wondering how many points you are behind and getting them a wee bit worried. So it's always good. It's, it makes it exciting for the league. Just on our growth, Dick Campbell's an interesting character in Scottish football. He's, he's a throwback to a previous era. Have you had any dealings with Dick Campbell in the past? And if so, what was he like? No, just probably playing against him. I'd probably be Dunfermline at that time, or maybe even, I'm sure he was a forefront manager as well, if I'm right. But oh, you, just, you knew what you were getting, the, the flat cap and the, the side of the park and just constant shouting. But guys like that are... 
or a dying breed in the game because he just loves the game and you can tell that his enthusiasm at the side of the park and uh, never sits down, never shuts up. So it's great. These guys are great for football. The, the best story I've got about Dick Campbell was um, Nicky Lowe told me. He went into the dressing room when, when Nicky was a, a young player on loan, I believe it was at Forfa, walked in, took his false teeth out and went, you better win today, lads, put them back in and walked out. <laughs> and that was a team talk. And, and to be fair, they went out and, and played well that day. So Nicky always talks about how big a character he is and how even though he is an older guy, he still can relate to those younger players. And he was also, uh, Dick Campbell was saying uh, during the week that he's got the boy Hamilton on loan from, from Livingston. And David Martindale was very insistent that he wanted Hamilton to go and play under a manager like Dick Campbell to, to really show him the ropes of what the rea- reality of football is outside the top flight. Well, if you're, if you're going to learn, you might as well learn for a guy that's been in the game for years. So uh, I think that's great for Livingston that they can they can send young boys out to get experience. And again, if he's, if he's going to get experience, then you might as well go there. Before we go, we've got the, the dreaded predictions where <laughs> I, I worry oh. about these every week because you just think to yourself, how many am I going to get right? How many mistakes am I going to make here? But we will try and see what we can do. First up, I'm going to start with the Scottish Premiership. Aberdeen are at home to St Mirren. What do you think will happen there? Home win. Dundee United Livingston? Draw. Motherwell Hamilton in the Lanarkshire Derby? Home win. Rangers at home to Kilmarnock. Bearing in mind you're a former Kilmarnock player and a Kilmarnock fan? Draw. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did pile the pressure on you there. So, <laughs> um, Ross County versus Hibs. I think they go for Hibs. Away and the, the Sunday game is St Johnston versus Celtic. St Johnston are in the, the cup final. They've just beaten Livingston. Could they cause an upset? Yeah, I think I'll go for a draw then, because I think St Johnston are on a high, so it's a hard place to go. So we'll go for a draw. Friday night, BBC Scotland Championship football. Queen of the South are up against Hearts. Do you think Hearts will win that game in Dumfries? I think so, yeah. I think they'll just, like I said earlier, they'll just be trying to get as many points on the board as they can and um, they'll go there and, and win. Championship this weekend, the fixtures are absolutely fantastic. They're mouthwatering in all honesty. Dunfermline versus Dundee, two clubs that want to be in those playoffs and be in contention for promotion. How do you think that one will go? Well, again, the the two clubs that have been in the the top flight um, and they'll be looking to get back in there. So again, good games, but Dunfermline will be looking to for a home win, I'd imagine, even though Dundee's a strong team, I think Dunfermline will be looking to just get a wee win at home. I, I would back, I would agree with you. I would back them to, to win that game at the weekend. Your former club, Morton, travel to Inverness. I, I really feel for John Robertson. So many games have been cancelled for him since the turn of the year due to weather. They've only played 11 games all season. They've not been able to get any real momentum going. They're, they're not in their usual league position, which would be in the playoffs. Do you think that's the sort of game that, that Morton would look forward to or because of the long journey and the, the potential conditions, it's it's going to be a difficult day for them? I think, again, what I said earlier, but the home team making every advantage count for them. It's a long journey and the Morton boys will be have to get their sell up for it. But again, it's you're, you're playing football, so 
you've got to go there and look to win games. But as you say, if Inverness haven't played for a while, they'll be coming out the traps as well. So that should be another good game. Do you think Morton will win or do you think Inverness will get it done? Oh, put me in a spot now. Um, I think Inverness, because they'll be, as you say, they'll be they'll be looking to win games and get some points on the board. So we'll go for Inverness. Second place, Ray Rovers. They're playing Air United. Air, of course, had, had just played Hearts, who were top of the league. Would you expect Wraith to get back-to-back wins? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think they'll just be too strong for them. And the last game of the championship, as I say, it's a mouth-watering fixture list. We talked about the two part-time teams. We talked about how they punch above their weight. Peter Grant versus Dick Campbell. Aloha versus Abroath. I'm going to stick my neck out in the line and say Abroath are going to win this game away from home and make a statement and push up the table. Do you agree with me on that one or do you think Peter Grant's boys can get the job done? I think I better agree with our big gats who won the phone game the stick. So <laughs> I better go for an Abroath one. As I say, I just, I've just got a funny feeling that, that they're picking up that momentum now. They, they beat Morton, they got a draw, they got another win. I think they're starting to bubble the way they were in their first season in the championship. So I think they're going to win and I think they will stay up this season and it'll be another another fantastic one for Dick Campbell. Just before we go, Alan, um, talking about great midfielders, um, you played in midfield. Who are the toughest opponents you had over your time in the top flight? I would say probably when you're playing against the old firm, it's always tough. Um, obviously, at that time, Celtic had Lennon, Lambert, uh, Petrov, Maravchik, all very good players, all different players, but all very good, especially when they're all playing together as a unit. And then Rangers had two guys, Ferguson, Arteta, De Boer. So, again, all great names, all individually great, but collectively even better. You're writing a regular column for Football CFB at the moment. You've talked about the dressing room. You've talked about that feeling of being, of being sent off and, 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 and you've shared your insight into your career. Do you miss playing football? See if you were to, given the opportunity to do it all over again, would you? Well, I'm 47 now, Callum, so I think I might struggle. But um, no, it'd be great. It'd be great because it's the best days of your life, especially, as I've said, you go in there and, you're getting to basically get paid to kick the ball about with some boys you, you call mates. So for me, it's and it. I think it's when you speak to guys like I've got pals, obviously that never played. So and they're they're always saying about how they would what they would do for five minutes just to get on the pitch for five minutes and live their dream. So I do appreciate how lucky I was, and uh, I never ever took it for granted. And looking back now, it's always the fond memories. You've been involved in coaching for a number of years. I mentioned the fact that you were recently working at Kilmarnock and within the academy. One of the players you worked with before you worked at Kilmarnock was Ross Stewart. He was at Ross County. He's just sealed a big a big move to, to Sunderland, a massive club down in England, albeit they're in League One at the moment. What was Ross like to work with? And do you think he's the sort of player that, given his unique background in football, can, can go and prove a point at Sunderland and showcase to their fans and people in England that he is a good player and he deserves to be there? I think Ross came to us. Chris, Chris Straining's a manager and they signed Ross from Ardia Thistle. I think Ross was 17 at the time, 16, 17. Big tall boy, six foot three, six foot four. Big bean pole looking boy, not much carrying much weight. But he came to us and you could tell he had something. So 
for his height, you would expect him to be great in the air. Ross wasn't a great in the air. I don't think he still is, to be fair to him, but his ability and technique were, were different class, and you could see that. And he, he worked on his game, and he, he was he was always prepared to listen. Um, but most of all, he was a great boy, very humble boy, and he, he was just happy to come in and work and play in the team and do whatever he could for the team. And he would play out wide, he would play in the hole just to get a game or just to help us out. But it's great when they when you see boys like that progressing and, and you wish them all the best. And I, I think it's a big thing for other boys to see um, that it can be done. This boy was playing junior six, seven years ago and now he's playing, a, as you say, a massive club like Sunderland. So I think he'll do great if he's given a chance and, and he does what he can do. He's obviously been signed for his ability and they see something in him. So hopefully he just goes and fulfills that and, and has a great rest of his career. Last but not least, um, before I let you go, I mentioned the column earlier on. I believe you've got a lot of people, former teammates, getting in touch with you, asking you when the next one is. That must make you feel great because, as I say, I know I'm biased, it's on Football CFB, but I enjoy the insight. No, it's great. Obviously, it's the, the usual. You get the stick is flying about and this never happened and that never happened and our Sunday will text and say, I know you're talking about me, but you never mentioned my name. So... It's all good, but no, it seems to be uh, very positive feedback and and I'm enjoying writing it. Um, it's something I look forward to doing. As you know yourself, I, I can't wait to get you sent off and then get the next one started. So, no, I thank you for that and it's it keeps me going. It keeps me, keeps me interested and um, something to look forward to. Something to look forward to indeed. We've reviewed the action from the week uh, just gone. We've previewed the action that's to come. It's been a joy having you on the show. I look forward to the next column. And once again, to all the listeners, thank you for listening to the show. Keep supporting us, keep following us. And if you're looking for that retro football um, memorabilia, then go to Six Yards Out. They will sort you out with the very best of memorabilia at a very reasonable price.